Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Balcony Chatter Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am Andrew McKenney, and tonight I am actually joined by a friend, a fellow podcast host, and Islander fan. Um, today, today I'm joined by uh, one host of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I'm here with Will Cerucci. Andrew, thank you again for uh, thank you again for just having me on and talking about the Islanders right now and. You know, it's awesome to talk some talk some sports with you, bro. How yeah. are you making out right now? Not too bad. I feel like this is a long time coming. I feel like, you know, I, I came on on the board uh, about a year ago at this point. And right. uh, I figured, you know, who better to talk about the Islander-Bruins matchup? And, and, I mean, we got a bunch of them coming up this season. But um, I figure who's, who's better to talk about it than you uh, and get some ideas on what you think is going to happen and couple other things I want to uh, talk to you about too so I figure you know we'll get right into it absolutely hey the Islanders and the Bruins play each other for for another six times including tomorrow so I can't wait for uh, I can't wait for everything going on yeah and it's not looking so great for me so far I mean if, if you guys are listening I definitely said that right because typically it's the other way around I mean the Bruins have have for the most part put a spanking on the Islanders pretty good over the last few seasons, but this year so far not so great. Islanders are winning the season series two games to none, um, and as you said, there's six more to go, so it's not over till it's over. But um, you know, first game was definitely a closer. It, it was one nothing Islander win, but the second game, you know, we kind of got beat pretty good four two. And it, to be fair, I mean. You know, the Islanders aren't the team that they have been for, you know, the last 10 years. They're they're getting better, and they're actually, a, you know, they're a good team right now. It's it's hard to not take them seriously. So um, how do you feel about, about your team right now? Uh, like everybody else, man, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's been a bunch of ebbs and flows this year because of the fact that the Islanders have been in – a lot of games they've been in a lot of games even on their uh, five game losing streak they've been in on a lot of games I think the only blowout really this season was the first the second game excuse me the second game of the year against the Rangers where you know Semyon Varlamov goes down he gets hit in the neck with a puck by Cal Clutterbuck in warm-ups uh, obviously that really doesn't happen that mostly ever at that point Ilya Sorokin comes in in his first game in emergency duty at that point and uh you know, they, they take it on the chin, but every other game thus far, it's been close. And you feel like when you're watching the Islanders, they've been in nearly every game this year, right? So when I'm looking at this team, I'm saying to myself, okay, they have championship or bust aspirations, especially after what happened in the bubble last year, where they got beat by a very good Tampa Bay Lightning team. And they felt like, you know, okay, we lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Why can't that be us? Why And all the media, all the fan bases around the league are, are looking at the Islanders again, and they're saying, boy, the, when you're looking at the Islanders, they, they have a chip on their shoulder from last year, and they want to prove a lot of people wrong, and especially what happened three years ago now that we're saying this. It's been three years since that guy – went up to Toronto, went back home, and <laughs> I don't want to bring him up. But, you know, it's he's he's gone, but it's just a total 180 at that point in time, especially with Barry Trotz being here as the head coach. So I, I'm glad that you bring that up because 
I, I think that there's two things that the Islanders like very badly needed over these last however many years that they've been sort of slumping. And that's one, a good coach. And now they have an amazing coach, one of the best in the league, you know, always in contention for the award, um, you know, best head coach. And he's just such a great coach. And I, I when he went to the Islanders, I was like, this is going to be bad news for the rest of the teams in the East that think that they're just going to be a pushover forever because this is something that they very badly needed and got. And the other right. thing was goaltending. And the goaltending has definitely gotten better over the last couple seasons as well. So those two things, plus, you know, you get some of these other guys in there that are either, you know, new to the team or new to the league. We're talking about Barzal over the, ne- over the last few seasons that he, you sh- he's shown that he's a very good player and can really be one of those top guys in the league. I mean, he, he's an all-star player potentially. So I think that the, the needs have been addressed for sure. Obviously, every single team in this league has needs. I, I mean, even even a Stanley Cup winning team always could use something else. So I, I think that they're definitely on the right track to get where they need to be. And like I said earlier, they're not that pushover team that is just, you know, it's the Islanders. It's an easy win. And it, half the time I kind of go into the games against the Islanders with that mindset only because of how it's been for the last five seasons or however long it's been for us, like, it seems like every time I come down there for a game, we usually walk out with a win and, you know, knock on wood, but it hasn't been the, that way this year. So I guess my question is, you know, with the long run last year, you kind of saw what they're capable of. Do you see that this team is capable of going back to the Eastern Conference Finals and more? I think I think they can. The thing is, though, last year they had a lot – they had a couple of veterans on, on that team, right? That was – that were really fundamental. I mean, Matt Martin is still playing. He had a couple of goals uh, in that playoff run. We saw this second line of Beauvillier and Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey really clicking together and going out there and doing things. But the one line, the, the, not the one line, but the one key here is their their defense, right? And we've got to see guys like Andy Green come over and fill that void where they Johnny Boychuk wound up we don't know if he's retired or not. We we think he's retired, but he's on that LTIR uh, due to his eye and everything like that. But for Green to replace uh, Boychuk so far this year and for Noah Dobson to fill the void for Devon Taves, I think that's been kind of a, a big a big thing. Yes, Noah Dobson is still growing. He's year he he's in his second year, age twenty everything like that, but the sky's the limit for this kid. And he, he looks like he's going to be a, a phenomenal uh, two-way defenseman for this team. Make no mistake about that. But for for the Islanders, they definitely have that, that chip on their shoulder where they could go back and they have the same pieces in place. And they also, too, you know, they lost out on Derek Broussard. Broussard is – he's a good veteran, but he's more of a overall – he's like uh, – He's a, a third, a third centerman at that point in time, right? And he's basically he reached his potential. He went over to Arizona this off season, and he's trying to make it, trying to make do with what he has over in Arizona. Now you have Oliver Wallstrom. Wallstrom was a first round pick. Wallstrom has these great qualities with this great shot. He's compared to Alexander Ovechkin because of it, and you just see. 
the you see the talent that this kid has. He's going out there and he's trying to make do every game, and he's hungry. He wants to be there, and it's he's been a part of that third line with JG Pajo now for the past nine games, where he's finally getting it, and he's on that second power play, and he's just doing it. And then that other that other uh, open spot, it's really been either Kiefer Bellows who's been playing, he played good up until they sat at him. He sat down for a couple of games, and now he came back against Pittsburgh last week. He didn't play so hot. He went back down. They're using Leo Komarov now. Komarov, after being placed on waivers, seems like he, he finally has woken up to, to a certain extent, but, you know, he's still Uncle Leo in, in, in that regard. Uh, you know, and then... They'll, they'll switch it up. They'll either have this kid, not kid, but this quality role player in Austin Zarnick coming in. He's basically almost like a fourth liner, but he's making his former his Bruin two on that third line. So he's he's definitely making it there. And then it's just basically a rotating door between Bellows, Komarov, Zarnick now trying to make his shot, and Ross Johnston at the beginning of the year. Uh, coming in there, but it's been unbelievable. They can definitely make a, a run back to the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel. It's just that they got to get their power play together, and that's what's been winning them games so far uh, this season is their power play the past couple of weeks after just basically not not finding their way. So that break against the Sabres was really, and I mean this, it really helped out that power play because they're they're in the top three or top four since that time that that break happened for them against Buffalo with the whole COVID situation. So the Islanders, I feel they could definitely get back there. The pro the thing is though, they have to be more consistent on the power play, which it's a, it's a positive to see. And the young players have to step up. And I think the young players know uh, what's going on uh, in that situation. So it, it's definitely a good problem to have. And, one more thing to add to that, you know, if I may. Yeah, go when for you, it. When you when you look at all these other teams, right? And I, this is the fans. I feel like, and this goes with every sport and every fan base, is they got to get a playmaker. They got to get a scorer through the trade deadline. Who who are they going to pick up? Who are they going to who are they going to get? And my thing is with that, you know, with the Islanders cap situation right now, they have. Guys like Andrew Ladd making $6 million. But I think I know that he's not coming up. I don't think he, even though he's on the taxi squad right now, he ain't coming up. The point is, is that everybody keeps on looking outside, outside, how to improve outside, that they don't look inside. Oliver Wallstrom is, a, is an Islander farm prospect who was a first-round draft pick in 2018. Kiefer Bellows, 27, 2016, first-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. So nobody's really looking in. And these coaches and these general managers and these scouts know that some of these players, if they're given the, the point, if they're given the time, they can develop. But the thing is, though, with Lamarillo and company, they don't like to rush up their prospects. And we got to see that with Michael Dalcold two, three years ago. They're taking they're taking his time, uh, taking their time evaluating him. Josh Hosang, 
I don't want to talk about Josh Hosang, <laughs> yeah. but it's it, it's the it's the same thing over and over again, right? With the Yankees, with Clint Frazier, just about they they're almost identical in that regard. Talented, but they don't know like what what's the fan base doesn't know what's going to happen with them, right? And then you look at Bellows and Wallstrom coming up, and they're young and they they have the energy. So sometimes if you look from within and they have the the desire to go out there and make it because of the fact that they're rookies and they want to prove to the team and to the franchise that, Hey, we can go out there and we can be just as good as what's going on. And by, and Oh, by the way, they're making rookie salaries at that point. So of course they're going to want to go out there and try and make that next big deal for them. It for themselves, it adds up, it adds up and, you know, friends and everybody i feel as if free agency and trade you know very very sure on the trades and with free agency you're hiring a gun and if the player doesn't succeed if the player doesn't succeed via free agency it's not going to work out it it, it's just not going to work out no matter how you look at it no matter how you slice and dice it so i feel as if these young kids are definitely going to put the islanders in that position in which they, they where they were last year, but they need to learn. They need to go out there and learn. And I know Barry has a short leash with them, but I think that the kids are the right way to go and they'll find their way. Oliver Wallstrom hasn't scored a goal since his debut in Washington, but they'll go out there and they will find a way uh, to play hard because they want to stay in that lineup for sure. So it's interesting that you bring up the cap situation and, and trading at the deadline isn't always the best option or, you know, people think, unfortunately, you know, the casual sports fan thinks that it's just, just make a trade. It's an, it's as easy as that. Just go grab somebody. Like, I don't know why you're waiting to, to grab somebody, but right. um, how do you feel about the Barzal contract? Do you think that that hurts the team as far as picking up other players or signing long-term contracts or... You know, do you feel like that's too much for a player like him, or do you think that's just right? I think personally that's just right for him. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at everything right now with the Islanders, I know he signed a three-year deal, $21 million yep. at a point in time, but he always wanted to stay on the island. There's no mistaking that, but there's contract negotiations, and there's the way how Lou Lamarillo likes to operate, and he likes to go about being the godfather, if you will, being and having this law of omerta, this law of silence that that goes into play, which I kind of respect because there's no, you know, you don't want to create rumors. You don't want to hear anything like that of the sort. But with Barzell, you know, the first year's $4 million. You got, got, you paid Pulak, Ryan Pulak, defenseman, Two years, five million dollars per year, it comes out to be ten, and you know you still got to resign Anthony Beauvillier at the end of this, uh, at the end of this con, at the end of this year. You still got who knows if they're going to resign Michael Dal Cole, and with the with the past prior uh, contracts that they've gone out there and signed, guys like Leo Komarov are still on the books. I don't think anybody's taking that contract, right? I don't think anybody's taking Andrew Ladd's contract. I don't. Th- Everything going on, they still have to re-sign Adam Pellick. That that guy has been 
a godsend for this team. And he talk about a guy that worked hard. That guy's going to get a payday from from the Islanders or for, from whoever whoever it is. Then you still got Brock Nelson, who they re-signed last year to a five-year or six-year deal at $5 million. Jordan Everly, we thought that the Islanders weren't going to re-sign Jordan Everlake, but they brought him back. Anders Lee, captain, $7 million, seven years. They need a face that's going to be there sure. to basically be the leader. Yep. You know, but... The thing is, though, like with, with the with the whole contract situation, like you have other guys too that are about to to come up. I don't the Boychuk contract. You know, again, I don't know if he's retired or not because he hasn't come out and said it. He's with the team. He's in Lou Amarillo's box. They're trying to groom. My opinion, they're trying to groom him to become like a scout or like an, an assistant general manager or one of the two. Yeah, I was under where, the impression that he was yeah. retired. Right. He's, he hasn't come out and said that. Okay. The Islanders haven't come out and said that. He just basically took a leave of absence, and he's on that LTIR at that point where they basically push that money. I'm under the assumption that he is retired too, but, again, I don't know because he hasn't come out and said it, and the Islanders haven't come out and said it. But, you know, regardless or not, it's uh, it's definitely crazy, but – with with the Barzell contract, I have no problem with it. You know, year three, yes, he's gonna make uh, you know the ten million dollars, which is gonna be uh, a, a little bit of a thing. But if the Islanders can go out there and they could find a way to to bring up these kids that are here, and I've I've heard a lot about. Uh, Kiefer Bellows. We saw Kiefer Bellows play. I think he's a stud. Oliver Wallstrom. I think he's a stud. Uh, this kid, Sim- Simone ha- uh, Simon Hoff- uh, Holmstrom. So Simone Hol- Holmstrom, the the product from last year's draft class. They say he's supposed to be good too. He's trying to find his way. If they can go out there and just look within, because let's not forget here too, this team is still. A, a, I don't want to say second rate, but they are a a team that's that's still like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here, Andrew? Well, they're they're the, they're basically what's the under word they're basically underdogs in everything that they do this season because, like I kind of said earlier, people don't right. take them a hundred percent seriously, but they need to take them more seriously than they do, really. I mean, I, I agree. I agree with that. If this team but went on a run, a bunch of good games in a row, I mean, they really get rolling and feeling it. I, you know, anything's possible. Right. No, I listen, Andrew, I totally agree. But with everything done, still that little brother here in New York. And no matter how you look at it, no matter how you slice it and dice it, even with the new arena coming about, you know, trying to lure the free agents here at that point in time or whatever it is, you know, it, it's just something that still needs to be seen. But regardless or not, there's still a little brother here in New York, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you slice it and dice it, and no matter how they'll play together at that point. That That's just my opinion. That's just my take on it. But they, they won't be little brother. Uh, I feel like if they win, they won't be a little brother anytime soon. Right. I will say that from the outside looking in that um, J.G. Pajot has given new life to the Islander team. I mean, 
That that guy seems like he loves playing there. He seems like he loves the team. He's thriving. And, right. uh, you know, I've always been jealous because I always wanted him on, on the Bruins. And I think that he's a great player and he's a grinder and he's not afraid to, to get dirty and do all that kind of stuff. And, and he can get under people's skin. And he's just an all-around great player. And, and watching those watching him play, whether it's against the Bruins or just other games that I happen to catch, he, like I said, has definitely given sort of a new life to the team where they seem like his his arrival there sort of made them just that much better oh yeah no no mistake when they traded for him I was kind of I don't want to say shocked because there were people out here that wanted him here to begin with last year I really wanted to see Tyler Toffoli here and to see what Toffoli is doing right now with Montreal is just absolutely (laughs) Uh, unbelievable even even when he was what he was doing with Vancouver during their playoff run uh because of the fact that he won a Stanley Cup with the Kings because he has the playoff experience because he can go out there he could be that third line second line type of guy and he could go out there beyond the penalty kill on the power play but he's a he's great a player he's a great player but he's a what they didn't have was that third line center and Paz Joe definitely has filled that void 110% to the fullest degree. Yep. You're looking at it from he's bringing laughter, he's bringing he's bringing all this this joy, he's bringing this energy. He he has changed the Islander culture in, in that sense. And the Islanders had had it there, but for him to come in and in his first game, I'll never forget when Dal Cole got rocked by Jacob uh, at Nassau Coliseum on a crazy hit, Josh Bailey was about to fight Jacob Truba, but instead it was JG Pajo that went up in on in his first game, in literally literally his first like period, sec, you know, period and a half. He's going in there and he's fighting Jacob Truba on that hit. You know that was unbelievable to to see that. Now he he took a he took the game misconduct everything like that, and he wound up coming back during that game because that game went to overtime, but regardless or not, this guy, he has literally changed everything between the Islanders going out there on, on their power play units. He's, he's played on the play on that second unit. Uh, he scored the game winning goal in the first game against the Bruins. Uh, you know, he's a great penalty killer. He could do it all. That, yeah, the guy can literally do it all at that point. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been a great, great trade acquisition. And, you know, people are comparing it here out in the island to almost Butch Goring coming out, uh, coming out over here on on the island when the Islanders won their four straight Stanley Cups. So, well, does it mean that Pajot is the Islanders a Stanley Cup again? We'll see. I would love to see it. I think every Islander fan will see, would love to see it. But it's a great comparison to to say that when you're compared to Butch Goring. Yeah, I would say that's a pretty big. Those are pretty big shoes to fill. So, um, I, I yeah, I think I don't know if it was a combination of him coming to a team that was on the up and up, and or if it was him getting out of Ottawa, a team that was just straight up dumpster fire and doesn't seem to know what they're doing out there, and basically right. traded away their whole team and left players there that had to be like, well, you know, obviously I want the paycheck, but I don't want to play here. Who wants to play in Ottawa right now, except for, like, Kachuk, you know? It's 
it's I, I think that getting out of there was probably the best case scenario for his career. And it's very clear that he wants to be where he is now and he's and he's really thriving. So I'm jealous. Yeah. I think that um you guys got a great player in him and I think that you're gonna see him be a great player for, for years to come. Absolutely. And he signed that five year deal. He's only twenty six, about to be twenty seven years old. Uh He's still rather relatively young. And like I said, he could go out there and play on the power play. He could be a penalty killer. And he could be that guy in overtime that can be that third center that can literally try and win you games in a three-on-three. And he has this great sense of IQ, and he's a great, great, great personality when it comes to the, when it comes to the off-the-ice stuff. I mean, there was a story out there and there on the Islanders Instagram. There's plenty of photos of it where they had this ping pong tournament and Pajot wound up winning it. And the he's wearing the robe. He's got the headband <laughs> going on like he's the karate kid, everything like That's that. That's awesome. Like ping pong form. I mean, the, the teammates were loving Everybody was loving it on social media. And I'm sure his teammates got a huge kick out of it. And he fits right in on the island. He is he is one of us right now, and there's no there's no mistaking it. I mean, think about this, right? From 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the Islanders traded for Kirk Muller. Kirk Muller was the captain for the Canadians, and he didn't want to go to the island, but he got traded over there anyway. And he found excuses after excuses after excuses to try and get out and not play there because the Islanders were, were bad. Nobody wanted to play for them in the mid nineties. So for that to happen. And then 25 years later for that to go to a full 180 with, with the great head coach and, and Barry Trotz and having this general manager and Lou Lamarillo just basically, you know, just signing this guy to a long-term deal. When does that happen for the Islanders? That, doesn't happen for the Islanders ever, ever. Yeah. So for them to get that, I think that for them to get JG Paggio is absolutely huge. And he's been, he's been a franchise changer uh, so far, even though he's not the face of the franchise, but maybe that one piece, you know? Yeah. And been it, a, uh, I, great, I think it's good too, man, because he shows that he can, you can go to a team and actually want to be there. You got, you know, you got him there. You got the team on the up and up. You got the new stadium coming. I would imagine that that includes new facilities for players and whatnot too. So, you know, it, it's it's definitely a place that it seems like players might actually want to go to um, more now than they did over the last handful of years. So, I think that you know, you know we're gonna just keep seeing the Islanders get better. And it's bad news for people who don't like them. You know, it's it's even worse news for Rangers fans, which. We won't even get into that, but um, I think yeah. it's good, man. I think I think that um, it it's a team that now is going to finally be taking steps forward, as opposed to sort of just either staying stagnant or taking a step back with losing their captain or or things like that. So I think it's good, but I also would like to get your opinion on the current right. divisions, since the divisions have been all jumbled up this year, and obviously the divisions are very strong. Sure. Um, and you know, some, our, our division specifically, good teams are going to miss the playoffs. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. 
without a doubt. Let, let's just go off the list, right, from top to bottom. You look at the Bruins, your team, the team yep. that you root for. They are great in every way, shape, or form. They are basically in the top 15 in nearly every stat. Their power play is sixth in the league. Their penalty kill is second in the league. Stellar. Their faceoff percentage, the best right now. The yep. best in the league. Goals, you know, you look at uh, goals for, they're ranked 12th in the league with 3.06 goals. And their goals against per game is 2.25. That's fourth. This is a playoff team. You look at the Islanders right now, they're trying to find their way. You know, they have their power plays went up significantly, like I said, after that whole after that whole week off with uh, due to Buffalo having COVID and everything like that. They've been finding their way. They're twelfth in the league right now. Their penalty kill is fourteenth. So they're 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 finding their way, of course. Uh their face off percentage sixth. Last the last couple of years they've been in the bottom of the the league with face-offs so they're they're going out there yeah their goals for 25th but that's a part of that's a part of barry trotz's style you're not going to go out there and win games by five to two or four to two and lamarillo lamarillo has come out and said it excuse me on that one before uh lou lamarillo has come out and said they don't look at goal differential they just care about getting the point whether it be one nothing three two right just care about getting a win's a win exactly and their and their goals against against his fifth in the league so that's pretty good you look at the flyers the flyers last year i think they have you talk about the islanders making it to the eastern conference and they have young players too joel farabee scored a hat trick nolan patrick is trying to go out there he's trying to find his way after being hurt the past cup the, the past year um, they still have that core of great talent with Claude Giroux and uh, Gostas Bear and Couturier, and they have Ivan Provorov. And don't forget, they have Carter Hart, one of the better young goaltenders that's coming up in the league right now. So they're they're a force to be reckoned with, especially what happened uh, against the. They definitely have some some of the uh, some of the effects. Of what happened, Washington again, another team that's looking for revenge against the Islanders. Uh, they hired former Islander head coach Peter Laviolette. We know what about Laviolette and what he has done in his NHL career. Basically, winning a Stanley Cup with Carolina to basically giving those Islander teams in the early thousands this this great run even though they only lost in the first round, but they still were a force to be reckoned with during that time. And then the Nashville Predators, when they went up in Nashville, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. They lost to Pittsburgh. They're literally right there, and they still have their core of players too. It's just that their goaltending situation isn't that pretty. You know, losing out on Henrik Lundqvist uh, for the year, that hurt them. Uh, You know, Braden Holpe going to Vancouver, that's kind of a blessing in disguise for them after seeing – what's going on with uh, Vancouver right now. And they're, they're getting scored on left and right. And you look at the, you look at, you know, the other teams, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's like the Red Wings in that regard, right? You know, where they, in, in the latter half of the decade, in the middle of the decade, the, the Red Wings would make it to the playoffs, but they would be like first round, first round. They wouldn't go deep. Yeah. You know, that's what the Penguins are right now with their, with Crosby, with Malkin, 
Latang and Jake Gensel. That's what they are. They're basically trading and bringing in players instead of trying to go out there and make this team better. Now they found Brian Rust, but Rust is good. But they got to find more ways than not. And Mike Sullivan has to figure out a way to uh, get this team together, although they've been on a little bit of a winning streak. And then finally, the New York teams, you know, the New York, New Jersey teams outside of the Islanders. The Ra- we'll start off with the Rangers. The Rangers are this hit or miss. They're like rebuilding on the fly, they, sort of. Right, right. They are. They are. But they but they have such great offensive prowess. Right. You know, and they're but this year alone, their penalty kill has been really surprising. They've been a top ten unit in that. And you gotta give credit to David Quinn for not winning games. And these games are close, but their youth is showing. And like you said, they're rebuilding on the fly. So that's not really helping. It's helping development per, as games go on. So that way they can, the players, the young players like Capo Caco, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, you know. Who, uh, who I think DeAndre is a complete Miller. bust, by the way. Really? You think that? Well, through, okay. Through, I, I, don't, I don't think it 100%. I think that, you know, I'm shocked at his stats right now. I, I mean, typically the number one overall pick comes in and actually makes a difference within the first, let's just say, 16 games of the year that they've played. And so far, he's basically been non-existent. I mean, we've obviously we've seen some busts in the past, but usually the number one overall pick makes a pretty big difference, whether that's just, you know, a few goals here and there. I mean, the kid's not doing much at all. Last time I checked, he was a minus on the season. Um, so, you know, it's, it's I, I don't know. I really, he had so much hype around him that he was going to be this big thing and this big deal, and so far, not so good. <laughs> Well, you got to look at it like this too, you know, when like the, in, in any sport, no matter how you look at it, I get it. It's his rookie year, but people forget that this kid is 18, 19 years old. Very true. Yep. You know, you're not, you're not going to go out there and dominate at that, at that level coming right in. I don't care who you are at that point. You're not going to dominate. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to find your way. There's going to be nights where the league's going to humble you at that point in time. And he's probably been handed a lot of things all of his life and been on a lot of winning programs. But with that, you gotta, you gotta have patience. And this is a great example of this back in, I'm going to make a comparison here back in 2014, the Lakers, the LA Lakers, they drafted Julius Randall. Okay. Everybody thought that this kid was going to be an all-star. First night that he plays in his NBA career breaks his leg. He's not this, he wasn't the same player. He's trying to find his way. He's going out there and he was 19 years old coming into the league, 20 years old. And, you know, seven years later to go from the Lakers to the Pelicans, couldn't find himself with the Pelicans and then to the Knicks, many people were writing off Julius Randle as a bust. And, Julius Randle now has become an all-star. Julius Randle has become an all-star. Think about that from that point, from what I just said, after everything like that. Now, I'm not comparing Randle to Alexis uh, Lafreniere, but at that same point in time, our temperament of 
looking at these kids. And let's not forget that a lot of these kids, I could say the same thing with Michael Dalcole. Dalcole was a top five pick. Everybody had this high expectation of him. People are calling him a bust right now. But the main thing is he's finding his way. Throw the top five pick stuff out the window. Throw the number one pick stuff out the window. Let these kids find a way. Let them grow. They're still young. You know, this is nobody. Everybody's comparing. This is, you know, I don't want to say it's the media's fault. I don't want to say it's the fans' fault. But with everything going on, we just got to just pump the brakes here and just remember a lot of things here. This kid is 19 years old. That, you know, Dow Cole was a 17-year-old kid coming up. He played in the AHL for a long, a long time. And we were trying to find out what's going on, everything like that. Yes, the puck, he's trying to find his way, everything like that. But the last couple of games before he got hurt and before he got scratched, he looked good. He looked really good out there, and he was hustling, and he was forechecking. And that's something that you want to see is the hustle, the drive, everything like that, that desire to go out there and play. I think Lafreniere is definitely going to find that sooner rather than later. But let's not call these kids a bust yet. Well, you know? okay. so I mean, it's that's fair. I, I'm sure that he'll have a, a fine career. I think that maybe the NHL is a little bit skewed with uh, – with some of these guys that have come up recently. I mean, look at Austin Matthews and look at McDavid. They're both, you know, McDavid's a, a freak of nature as far as right. the way that he plays. I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way at all. This kid no, is unbelievable. He, he is unbelievable. Connor McDavid is unbelievable. You know, he's playing on a torn ACL still. He he never got surgery. He He's you know, not even that. on the same level. It's like watching, like, I don't, I don't like that they compare him to Wayne Gretzky because let's be real. I mean, this kid's going to have a hell of a career. He's going to do amazing things, but I mean, the, to be able to reach Gretzky status is is a whole nother level. So the league was so much different back then, right. too. The padding, everything like that, the way how these goalies in the butterfly position. Right. You, you can't compare. You can't compare. This is what I hate, too. You can't compare generations. And this whole top five, who's the greatest of all time stuff, we all have it. And it's just a waste of time at that point. At that point. Let the let's just enjoy with what these kids are doing and just basically just enjoy greatness. I think that the only you know, the comparison that I see that that I was going to say basically is that you see this kid skating around people like they're not even there. Like he's right. playing against professional NHL hockey players and he's making them look silly. Like he they're not even on his level sometimes. Most most nights, I should say. So I, I honestly kind of feel a little bit bad that this kid is stuck in Edmonton in a place where they've been so bad for so long, and and he, him, and and uh, Leon Draisaitl do they're doing everything that they possibly can to 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 put the team on their back, and I don't know that one or two players is enough. So well, well, when you're looking at two things, one, when you're looking at the Edmonton position right now. You know, thank God that they're playing in that Canadian division because yeah. they are in that they're in second place right now, and Toronto's in first. And secondly, McDavid signed that huge 15-year deal. Nobody put a gun to his head and say, "Hey, you got to stay here." He he's the one that ultimately signed it, and 
you know, it, it, it's almost like a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation when it comes to McDavid. And McDavid is great. Make no mistake about it. I'm not going to deny that. I don't want to count people's pockets here either. But it, it's some type of situation with the cut with the uh, with the way how the salary cap works, too. So, you know, it, it, it helps really nobody. But I think this year, this this whole format helps out the Oilers. In, in that sense, because who's really going to stop McDavid in the playoffs or Dreisaitl when they get in there? You know, in that division, probably nobody except for Toronto. I I, I don't think that I, I think that they're probably going to be the only team that makes it uh, uh, gives them a hard time. I mean, Montreal is not nothing special, and some of these other teams, I think, just. They just don't have it. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But to get back to, you know, the division, you know, the Devils are a scary team. You know, they, to me, they they beat your Bruins, too, in overtime. And they kept a, a couple of those games close, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. They have a lot of young talent there. P.K. Subban is one of those guys that's going to go out and, you know, be a, a leader for them. Uh, Nico Heischer guy that just got nominated to captain status is unbelievable. Jack Hughes, number one overall pick, unbelievable. They still have some holdovers from, you know, those Devils playoff where they had Kyle Palmieri. They had Jesper Bratt. Uh, you know, they still have Mackenzie Blackwood there. This, this Devils team, Nikita Gusev is another good guy too. That's going out there and, and making making waves. Don't sleep on the Devils going out there. They still have some pieces and they still have some games in hand. And finally, Buffalo. You know, you know it. I know it. Everybody's looking at Jack Eichel right now, being that face of the franchise. And Taylor Hall, ever since he scored that first goal in his first game, he's been trying so hard to get in that score sheet to try and make a name for himself. And to try and get some more money for his next contract because he's on a one-year deal. But I just look at, I look at Buffalo, them having that great power play that they do right now with Victor Olofsson, Sam Reinhardt, you know, uh, Rasmus Stalin, and they're playing with basically no defensemen. I mean, Brandon Davidson, a former Islander that was there for a half year, who is you know. He would be a free agent right now if Buffalo, or he'd be playing in the AHL, would be, you know, he'd be doing something. But I don't think he'd be on an AHL roster right now. But, you know, he's he's there. That that goes to show you uh, how much how much the Buffalo Sabres need defensemen at that point uh, to make it. But they have they have this great power play. They have some really talented wingers. And let's not forget about the the Canadian playing the way how he is right now. So he, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to find their way, but that division though, is just ultimately crazy. I mean, anybody can make it at that point in time, but it like, it's going to be. Yeah. Like I said, some good teams are going to miss some good teams are going to miss the playoffs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Some teams are going to miss the playoffs, but you know, that, 
top four teams, it's going to be very interesting to, to see what happens uh, come come April. Yeah, I, you know, I'm thinking that it's going to end up being Boston, Washington, Philly, and the Islanders. And that's that's who I think will 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 come out on top of that division come the end of the season here. Right. I, we still got a ways to go, but I think that, you know, that's my prediction there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when they're top five, nearly top ten in every category, you think they're going to make it. And especially having Tuka Rask back, too, after what happened, him leaving the bubble. If he doesn't leave the bubble, I don't think the Lightning win the Cup. I think – I personally believe that Boston finds a way to go out there and literally does it – you know, finds a way to to make it to that Eastern Conference final. But I, I look at it, bro, and with all the other teams that are in that division, too, you know, Washington's still tough. The Islanders are going to be tough. The Penguins, no matter how you look at it, are going to be tough. The Flyers are going to be tough. The Rangers are going to be gritty. The Devils are going to find a way to to play hard. And the Sabres are going to be desperate. So all those bottom teams are going to be desperate for a playoff spot and try and play spoiler uh, come come down the year. But again, there's still plenty of games left. But it's 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 looking likely that those top four teams, like you said, might make it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a very good division. I'm glad that this isn't how it is all the time because it is it is very tough. You know, it gives – it doesn't give anybody, like, you know, an advantage or anything. If anything, it gives teams a disadvantage seeing as it's so hard to make the playoffs in this division with, with all those teams. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the season shakes out. We're so far early into the season that, you know, there could, there could be a team that completely falls off. You never even – you never know. You know, Washington's oh, yeah. in third place. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh's in third place right now in the division. They could end up in sixth, seventh, eighth place just because, you know, who knows? There could be an injury. There could be something. It's just we have almost 40 games left of this season, a little bit under that. Um, so it's it's so hard to say, but some of these teams look so strong that it, it seems like that's the way that it's going to go for them. Right. You know, it's it's definitely tough. I mean, who knows, bro? I mean, Artemi Panarin leaving for two weeks is definitely going to hurt the Rangers offensively and just overall. But you look at a team like the Capitals at the beginning of the year, they lost out on so many guys for a week due to COVID, and they wound up fighting uh, and holding on to that top spot that nobody thought they would have while losing out on Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, but they still had guys still right. there, so you know it, it's definitely it's definitely something to see. So we'll we'll see what happens come come uh, come May with that. So I want to switch gears a little bit here, and I want to get a prediction from you on for the game tomorrow. Okay. Um, so we are currently recording this on a Wednesday, and it's going to come out on a Friday. So I thought it'd be pretty fun that we kind of um, give our <laughs> our guesses on what the game's going to be or what the score will end up. And then on Friday, kind of we'll see who is right or closer or anything like that. So who do you got in this game? Oh man. Um, well, I know the Islanders, they got their two points on, on Monday against Buffalo. Buffalo was a desperate team. Uh, you look at Boston, they, they're coming off of the, they're coming off of that great win against Philadelphia at Lake Tahoe. So yep. they're, they're, these two teams are going to be riding high. The, the, the thing is, is Boston going to go out there and try and 
try and replicate some of that that magic, some of that pressure. Because to be honest with you, Andrew, I don't think this is the same team from years past. I mean, losing out into Dan O'Chara with everything that's going on with him, with Boston, you know, is or was kind of sort of somewhat like a blow, really. But you guys still have a great, talented team. And you haven't beat the Islanders yet this year. I think <laughs> they're hungry. This game's going to go to overtime. Yep. I right. This team. I think this game's going to go to overtime. I think this is going to have maybe like one of those penalty, like a bonehead type of penalty. All I'm just going to say is that it's going to go into overtime. I don't. Know these two teams are are going to make living hell uh, for one another. You know that. Net, and you know that you're going to see Varley out in net for the Islanders. So I don't want to give you a, a, who's winning this game, who's not going to win this game. All I know is that this is going to be a very close game, and this game is probably going to go into overtime just the way how how it is, you know, just the way how to- both teams have been playing uh, each other this year. So it's uh, they've been playing each other hard. They've been going out there and just literally they got to – Things happen, but if my guess, I would have to take the. I know I said it before. I don't want to take a guess, but I'm kind of leaning towards the Bruins here because of the fact that they're looking for that first win and they're trying to pad themselves in that division. So I think it's going to be an overtime time. done, but I'll be shocked. All if, right, uh, if the Islanders take two, give me a score prediction. I know you didn't want to do that. We, you know, I have a score prediction in my head. Let's see what you got. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two to one. I'm gonna go two one Bruins in overtime. All right, I got three two Bruins in overtime. So we're we're pretty close there. I mean, it's it's basically a pretty similar score. But I I think you're absolutely right. I think this game's going to overtime. I think both of these teams have had uh, a handful of days off at this point. Both of them coming off some good games and. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that both teams are going to want to get that first goal because that's usually pretty important. But yes, um, I, I think three two Bruins in overtime, but it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough one. It could go either way. Absolutely, and you know David Pasternak, he found his way. He scored a hat trick in that in that Lake Tahoe game. He looked phenomenal. You know Charlie McAvoy, the Long Beach product. He's been looking phenomenal. He looks like he might be a uh, he might be that best defenseman of the year. He might qualify for that award, you know. So there's that, and uh, you know when when you're looking at everything else, Tuka Rask is Tuka Rask at the end of the day, and uh, Butch Ca- uh, Mr. Cassidy is going to find a way uh, to neutralize and stymie that Islander power play, I feel that's been playing so well. And that game winning goal was a power play goal. I don't think the Bruins are going to allow that again. So this is going to be a very fun game to watch. It's going to be a defensive style of game, but I think ultimately the Islanders, you know, are going to be due for a loss here against the Bruins. So it's going to be a very close game, but I think the Islanders get a point in this. All right. That seems like a fair assessment. And that seems like, like I said, it could go either way, so so that's pretty safe, and I think that it's going to be a good game no matter what. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
one one Absolutely. one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, about before we wrap this up is I said at the top of this um you know the podcast that you are one host of the on the board sports podcast shout out to Sean at Shawnee on the mic oh, yeah. on Instagram um yep. but I just wanted to see what you guys have been up to these days like I said I came on the show it was a lot of fun and I you know hopefully when this pandemic's over I'd love to do it again and get back together with you guys and talk sports and all that but what's new for you guys now um, well, we haven't recorded a show in about since prior to the Super Bowl. I know we've, we have different schedules. I know he's got a girlfriend now, everything like that. So he's trying to focus in on what he's doing. I know I'm trying to put, put out some social media posts, uh, you know, trying to gain the page, some followers and everything like that, trying to gain some listens and stuff to previous episodes. But we've been just basically just we took the time off. We took some time off and we're going to be coming back tomorrow and recording for those of you that are listening in on Friday, we're going to be recording our episode Thursday. Maybe it'll be out over the weekend. And, you know, we had the Super Bowl talk. We'll probably talk about the Super Bowl, what happened with Tom Brady winning, uh, you know, what the Buccaneers did right, what the Chiefs did wrong or how the, the Bucks stymied the Chiefs. Uh, in that, you got baseball season coming up, hyped for baseball season. Obviously, Sean's a Met fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, you know, hockey talk, obviously. We're both Islander fans, passionate Islander fans. And basketball, you know, this is going to shock a lot of people that are listening in. Sean's a Nets fan. Yeah, I, Sean I, is a Nets fan. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to say that when I mentioned him that, you know, I'm happy for him. Very upset for the rest of the East, but, you know, happy for him that he's, he's got such a good team right now. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I, you kind of expected that there would be some ebbs and flows this year with COVID and the regulations and stuff and the big three trying to get used to each other and all, all that stuff, but they're playing well as expected, but let's not grade this trade right now with what happened. They're, they're looking great, but you don't know what's going to happen five years down the road for Houston Yep, for their sake. You know, so usually trades like that usually favor the team that got the superstar. But we've seen some crazy things happen uh, in in recent past. In the recent past with Carmelo Anthony going from the Knicks to the Nuggets and the Nuggets are basically benefiting in the in the Knicks uh, in the Knicks misfortune. Uh, So there's that. And, uh, you know, his team is playing on an absolute phenomenal level after beating both L.A. teams in L.A. And they're on, I believe, a four-game winning streak, if I'm not mistaken, and it's, you know, or a five-game winning streak after beating the uh, after beating the Kings last night. And uh, you know, I'm a Laker fan. I haven't really been paying attention to the Lakers as of recent. Uh, for those of you that probably don't know, I am not a LeBron James fan. I really <laughs> did not watch the. I did not watch a single minute of the NBA Finals. Uh, could really care less for it, to be honest with you. I think the product of the NBA has gone so down where they are, which is great. It's great business and it's a great it's a great thing for them. But the team game, I feel as if it's just not it's just something that I'm not accustomed to. And you look at everything right now, whether or not you go to watch a, you know, a rec style 
game. You go to the park. You play. You play up against other people. Everybody's trying to be like Stephen Curry or James Harden with these step back threes, or trying to be like Allen yeah. Iverson with these crossovers. Yeah. There's no. There's no teamwork anymore. Everybody wants to be this great individual. There's no passing. Everybody's standing around, and that's what the NBA has become. It's become that, and the future game is I feel it's going to be so much more worse off for it that, you know, what's going to happen to those, to that individual style of play when defer the ball in those moments to a, a guy that that's wide open in the corner for a three. Now I know LeBron, he gets his, he gets criticized for it, for not taking that last shot for finding the open teammate. I get that. And I'm totally with LeBron on that. But outside of that, like, I am not a LeBron fan. I'm not an NBA fan. I'm not a LeBron fan. You know, I used to be a diehard basketball fan growing up. You ask any of my friends, I was a passionate, passionate Laker fan, a passionate Kobe Bryant fan. And, you know, I just I, – I can't watch the game anymore. It, it's just become so – unenjoyable to watch because you know what's going to happen three-pointer go back down opposing team goes three-pointer miss all, all that stuff you know yeah. it's just not fun watching it, I, it just becomes so predictable i couldn't agree with you more on the fact that it's completely it's a completely different game if you're looking at you know how basketball used to be as opposed to how it is now you know i still watch games right. i still love the celtics and i i don't watch every single game and uh but you know, it's not even close to what it was. I mean, I grew up as a Michael Jordan fan. That was how I got into basketball. And if you were to tell me at that time that the game was going to change to what it is now, I wouldn't believe it because of how differently it was back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the it's gone. You know, everybody's either trying to go cross over people for the easy two-point layup or it's, you know, what Steph Curry has done is just absolutely unbelievable. And I respect him for that because he's one of the great players to do it in, in that regard and in that sense. But when you're looking at it from, from growing the game 10, 15 years from now, it, it's going to be so unwatchable that it's not even funny. And then the antics that Stephen Curry has – you know, the mouthpiece, the shimmying after the shots. If he was playing hockey, he would get his he would get his teeth punched in. That's how bad it would yeah. be. Like after after almost every play. Yeah. You know, the guy's going down, he's shooting shots. You you, you don't wanna you wanna have respect for your opponent, but with the way how he's doing it, nobody's touching him. You know, I don't wanna say it, but I, I am gonna say it. I feel as if there's gonna be like that twelfth man that goon type of player in the NBA that's going to have enough of it and that's going to have to shove him down. It's going to create a fight and cause chaos because of it, you know? So we don't want to have another malice in the palace situation, <laughs> but with the way how the game is going, with the way how the game is going, they should implement a penalty box and have, and I know they're the only sport to do it, to have the courtside seating and stuff, but they should have like in hockey, they should have boards, glass. That would be interesting. Try and make try and make it like that. Yeah. You know, that would be an awesome product right there to watch. 
you know? And it then sounds, just it, have like a blue line, no fast break at all, anything like that. You still have the shot clock, but you find a way to go out there and make it happen. Sort of sounds like an XFL version of the NBA. <laughs> right. I think it would work. Yeah. Or we just bring Slam Ball work. back. Oh, my God. Slam Ball was great. Yeah, that, it was, that's it was what, fun. That's what, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yep. My my idea would just basically be like slam ball at that point. <laughs> no trampolines. Well, yeah. hey, look. And then one, one, one more thing. Yeah, one yeah. More thing. You know, can you explain to me this whole this whole uh, gather step rule? Because it, I I I can't get my head around that. You know where the player, you know that's dribbling the ball you know, can take a step and then he could take two more steps after that. I think that's complete and utter bullshit. Well, that's something that is completely changing the integrity of the game. I mean, you're talking about something that's been implemented in the game forever that now you just disregard with the travel, you know? Now, so now it's okay to take three steps. In other words, you know, that's, that is, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. Well, some of these seven-foot tall guys, three, three steps is travel. a huge... You cannot change my mind on that. I don't yeah. care about these travel rules, these new travel rules. It is still, in my eyes, it's still a travel. And the way how these players are playing right now, like it, it all comes down to money and trying to gain uh, viewership. And that's it. I, I, I never thought I would have to say that, but I sound like an old man yeah. <laughs> saying that right now. It, it's just the basketball is so unwatchable because of that, you know? It really is. I definitely understand your perspective on it for sure. You know, but it's it's just the uh, it, it it's it, it's crazy. But you know, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. Well, the important the important thing here is that you have the Bruins winning two to one tomorrow <laughs> in overtime. I have yeah. the Bruins winning three two. So if either of us are right, I'm happy and. I'm looking forward to the game. It's going to be a good one. You know, win or lose, it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout on either side. So I'm looking forward to it. I love good hockey. Um, Even when it's, if my team happens to lose, if it's a game like this, they're both good teams. So I'm I'm ready for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a very good game, and it's going to be playoff hockey. It's going to be playoff hockey tomorrow without a shadow of a doubt. And I think both teams are definitely going to be hyped up uh, to play each other in in this game for sure. And the Islanders still have their after tomorrow they'll have eight out of nine games uh, at home, so they definitely need to uh, take advantage of this opportunity to gain some points in the standings if they want to have some home ice advantage uh, in these first two rounds of the playoffs coming up if they make it. So it's definitely going to be fun. Yeah, we're all, you know, the top four teams are are within three or four points of one another. And I think that all these games clearly matter a lot to every team. So uh, I think that the Islanders know that, the Bruins know that. We can't, we, we spend a lot of games in overtime. And I don't think that we can afford to be giving points, regardless of whether we win or lose. We're still giving a point to every team, at least one point away. So... I think that this game will go to overtime, but uh, you know we got to try to get out of that and win some of these games in regulation. But absolutely, and when you're looking at it, the final two Bruins games, the Island. 
playing a back-to-back April 15th and April 16th. So who knows? Maybe we could do something before then. You know, you come on the On the Board Sports podcast and we could we can make that happen for, for our listeners out there. Uh, if Balcony Chatter and On the Board Sports, we can collaborate again on our platform uh, during that time. Absolutely, man. I would love to do that. And maybe we can do some post-game stuff on Instagram again like we've done in the past. So if any of you guys don't follow either of us, Balcony Chatter or On the Board Sports, make sure you do that because we probably will be doing some post-game stuff again, I'm sure, and talking about the the Bruins win tomorrow. Well, we'll see what happens uh, yeah. <laughs> come, come that. But, uh, you know, it, it, I think, like I said, we both think that this game's going to go into overtime, but I think the Bruins are due for a win against the Islanders. But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen here? Who knows what's definitely going to happen here for sure? We'll see, but we'll be in touch. And I really appreciate you coming on, talking some hockey, talking a little bit of basketball, and, you know, just talking about sports around the league and getting some good insight on the Islanders out there because. As you said, you know, they're a good team and they're going to be tough to beat a lot in the future. So, again, I really appreciate you coming on and and hanging out with me for a bit. Anytime, man. Oh, I got one more question for you. Yeah, go for it. I got one more question for you. You're a Red Sox fan. Yes, sir. Okay, you know I'm a Yankee fan. I have to ask you this. How do you feel about Andrew Benintendi going to the Royals? I, I feel I feel a little bit bummed out about it only because I think that he had more to give than than we got. But we also have, you know, he did a very good job for us in in the World Series in helping us win. And I think that since that World Series win, he's he's been kind of in a little bit of a slump. And I think that unfortunately this team is looking to get a new identity seeing as Mookie Betts is gone and you know, some of these other guys, we haven't really had a good pitching staff for a while. So I think maybe they're looking to sort of redo their team. They got Alex Cora back and and they're looking to get some money and get some stuff that they can use for future trades and whatnot to sort of build this team back up to championship caliber. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens come uh, come April when baseball comes back and everybody has the Yankees being the favorite in the AL East and the Red Sox in the bottom 12 you know, we've seen some crazier things happen uh, in baseball for sure. So we'll see what happens there, man. You yeah, know, um, again, I, you know, I've, I'd love to come out to Yankee Stadium for a game. I've never been. So hopefully when this whole COVID thing is over, if, if baseball season's going on at that point or the following season, we will definitely have to get out there for a game and we'll have to connect again for sure. I'm, I'm definitely with it. But I got one thing to tell you, man. Fenway Park is a way better ballpark than Yankee Stadium. So. I can tell you that right now. I, I love Fenway so much. It's one of my favorite places on, on you know, that I've ever been. And right. I like to go check out other stadiums, but nothing to me is ever going to beat Fenway no matter where it is. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to checking out, you know, what you guys got out there and, and we'll definitely connect. So thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. No problem, Andrew. Thank you again for having me on. Really appreciate it.